The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. We have some needs in our children's ministry. As the summer goes on, uh, it's a great opportunity for you to come and serve. Uh, just maybe sharing nursery stories with some of our kids, rocking some of our babies, and being involved. There's information in the bulletin. We need about uh, 30 folks to be involved in that ministry so our kids are taught at their level over the summer months. Building a legacy is a message I've entitled for today. If you look on the outline you received when you walked in, we're going to do an acrostic and we're going to spell out the word legacy for you this morning. Father, as we open the word, would you teach us? Would you allow us to see truth? Spirit of God, you tell us in John that you guide us into truth. So we ask you to guide us into truth this day. In the name of Jesus, amen. Uh, sometimes we as dads get a bum rap about being too hard. How many of you had the hardest dad in the whole world out there most de- de- to discipline you and whatever else? My kids would both raise their hands at that. Uh, these are some things which you've never heard your dad say. Watch this video with me real quickly. is always fair. I really enjoy repeating myself over and over again. I just love when the kids talk back to me. I don't care if you get a job this summer. I don't care if you get detention. I can't open this jar. See if mom can open it. Just take your time in there, okay? No means maybe. Hey, why don't you bring that ball inside and play with it? Hey, don't put that back where you found it. Just leave it on the floor. You bacon. If you put a dent in the car, it's really no big deal. It's 10 a.m. Go back to bed. Look, whatever your friends are doing, just do the exact same thing. I got more than enough sleep last night. If your friends are okay with it, then I'm okay with it. Stop signs are just a suggestion. You don't need a chaperone. You don't need a seatbelt. You don't need a savings account. You should buy the jeans with the holes in them. Hey, we're all going to go to church, but you can just sleep in, okay? Can we please just hang out in here for another 10 minutes? Hey, can we get some more bickering back there? All right, bills. Yay, traffic. Woohoo, taxes. Yes, laundry. Hey, can you kids come in here and jump on my bed? Quick, go tell mom what happened right away. You don't need to finish your dinner. Hey, look at your phone when I'm talking to you. I wish I had a smaller TV. We got you that phone for a reason. Texting boys. All right, everyone, listen up. Mom and I are going out of town this weekend, so please mess up the whole house while we're gone. Please throw a few parties while we're gone. Please forget about the dog entirely while we're gone. Hey, when you're finished pouring that, can you just leave it out on the counter all day? Thanks. Hey, what are you doing? I'm gonna bungee jump out of this tree. That's a really good idea. All right. Uh, If your dad said those things, you're thinking, who invaded my dad's body, right? I mean, dads never say those things, and uh, that's what makes it so humorous. Uh, We want to become dads. It's not easy being a dad sometimes. I I mean, it's just not. One day, um, this author writes, my mom was out. My dad was in charge of me. I was about two and a half years old, and we wanted to, I told him I'd like to play tea with him. And so uh, he sat in his recliner and uh, it was one of my favorite things to do. So I'd bring my dad a little cup of tea. It was actually water. And this went on for a couple of hours. Mom came in from shopping with her girlfriends at that time and she saw what was happening. Finally, she looked at my dad and said, do you ever think how, where a two and a half year old gets water from in a teacup?
sometimes it's really hard being a dad. <laughs> uh, what we want to talk about is building a spiritual legacy, and the acrostic that you look at in your hands spells out the word legacy. So what I'd like to do is work on that with you this morning. First of all, if we want to build a spiritual legacy, and by the way, this is only done by God's grace. If we want to build a spiritual legacy, the first thing we need to do is be men who love our wives. You say, Pastor Gary, I thought this was a message about fathers, and Father's Day it actually is. One of my props at Dallas Center is a guy named Howard Henderson. He said, men, the greatest thing you can do for your kids is to love your wives. It's the Apostle Paul who said in Ephesians chapter 5, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The Greek word used for love there is the most familiar word we know. It's the agape word. And so he's saying, husbands, love your wives unconditionally. That's what the agape word means. Agape. It's not, it's a command, actually. If you look at the Greek language, it's an imperative. It's a command. Husbands, love your wives. You cannot command an emotion. You cannot command a feeling. You can command that which can be done in obedience. And so what Paul is saying, amen, if you're going to walk with Christ and honor Christ, one of the things you're going to do is love the wife that God has given you. You're going to love her unconditionally. I am not the world's greatest counselor. You guys know that. I mean, if you walk into my office and you're a guy and you say, I don't love my wife anymore, I'm going to say, let's talk about your spiritual life. Say, so, no, 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 Pastor Gary, you don't understand. I, I, don't, I, I, I don't love her anymore. And, you know, she, she's, she, she's becoming difficult to live with and she's becoming just like her mom. How's that work for you guys when you tell her that? And, and I'm going to look at you and say, let's not talk about your marriage. Let's talk about your spiritual life because the Apostle Paul says very, very, uh, clearly here that for us as husbands, we are to love the wife that God has given to us. But Pastor Gary, she's not affectionate anymore. She doesn't encourage me anymore. She's not wise with the way she spends her time or, or her money. And I'm going to say, I'm sorry, bro. Let's talk about your spiritual life, not your marriage. Let's talk about that. How are you leading her? What are you modeling to her? You praying with her? How are you keeping romance alive in your marriage? Romance. See, as men, we spell romance S-E-X, right, guys? And women spell romance T-A-L-K. And so we have this collision that happens. How are you romancing your wife? When's the last time you took her out on a date? Why don't you do this? Here's an assignment for the week. Take your wife out on a date. And ladies, don't say, oh, you're doing that because Pastor Gary said to do it. <laughs> He's doing it out of obedience to what he heard from the Word of God today. Take her on a date. After she passes out, when you ask her to go out with you that night. And so as we look at this, guys, we recognize one of the greatest joys that we can have, one of the greatest ways that we can establish a legacy, a generational legacy of spirituality in our families, is to love our wives, to serve our wives. In fact, a little later on, Paul says this, no one ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes and cherishes it. Nourish and cherish. The word for cherish is to treasure. It's to treasure something. You have something you treasure? In my office, if you were to walk into my office, there's a little glass case inside of that. It's actually a plastic case. Inside of that plastic case is an autographed Mickey Mantle baseball. One of my greatest treasures. I mentioned a number of years ago that Mickey Mantle was my hero when I grew up as a kid. And Mickey Mantle, number seven, New York Yankee switch hitter, center field, center field from Lawton, Oklahoma. I go on and on. I can give you statistics. I can tell you. I, I, I didn't want to be like Mickey Mantle. I wanted to be Mickey Mantle. 
And I shared that story a number of years ago, the week of Christmas, and before the Christmas Eve service, I walked in my office and I found on my desk this, genuine, this uh, Mickey Mantle autographed baseball in this plastic case with a, a certificate of authentication there. I still don't know who gave it to me to this day. And so Easter, all of our grandkids were here, all six of them. And they made their way to my office before I got there after the third hour. And when I walk in my office, they're hiding in different places. You can pull some cubbies out of my desk. And, and also I noticed when I pulled the drawer out, they had rearranged everything. Well, that set my world just askew right there. I'm so <laughs> obsessive compulsive. And so they come jumping out and one of them grabbed the baseball, trying to open it up and get into it. And I said, I'm going to break your little fingers if you keep. <laughs> I didn't say that. I thought that, but I didn't say it. If you can't play with that baseball, that's a special baseball. It's something Papa Doe treasures because do we treat our wives that way? Hey, this is a treasure that God's given me. You don't speak back to the queen. You don't argue with the queen. You don't honk your horn for the queen in the parking lot when she's visiting with the sisters. One of the greatest things we can do for our kids is to love our wives. It gives our kids a feeling of security, a feeling that everything is all right in their world. Just today, I texted my son and son-in-law and said to two of the greatest dads I know, so proud of you. And then my son texts back and said, hey, thanks for building a home where we feel secure. And then some other stuff. You know, they feel secure. They see you hugging your wife and kissing your wife. They're going to go, oh, yuck. But that yuck creates a sense of security in them. Dennis Rainey in his book, Staying Close, I've used this story before. An 11-year-old boy was asked to write an essay on what he liked best about his home. And he wrote this, my mother keeps a cookie jar in the kitchen. And we can help ourselves except when it's too close to dinner time. Only my dad can help himself anytime. When he comes home from the office, he helps himself no matter if it's just before we're sitting down to eat. Whenever he comes in, he always slaps my mom on the bottom and he brags about how great she is and what a great cook she is. And then she turns around and they hug and they kiss right in front of us. The way they do it, you think they just got married or something. It makes me feel really good. That's what I like best about my house. Do you hear the security and confidence in that 11-year-old boy? Because a mom and a dad love and care for one another. Men, we have that privilege today. So we've got a number of amazing men here who love their wives well. And you have built generational security within those young boys and young girls in your household. And I say, may your tribe increase. May you continue to grow in the grace of God. And I'll remind you how you treat your spouse is the way they're going to expect to be treated. Your daughters can expect to be treated that way. They're expected to be true. You open your door, the car door for your wife, your, your little girls are going to expect that from her boyfriends and from her fiancé and her husband one day. Who is it that said when a man opens a door for a car door for his wife, either one is new, the car or the wife? <laughs> What's our example there? Uh, we've got a number of amazing husbands here. Ladies, if you've got one of those men here who have loved and cared for you and loved you with its unconditional love, not perfect, but sought to do that, that's a great time right now for you to reach over and give him a hug and a kiss right here in church. You can do that. Yeah, I'm getting mine. There we go. Uh, we're going to go get a room later.
but really, what, what a delight and what kind of security do you build into your, the next generation when you do those things? And some of us, we have to confess right now. That's not been the way we've rolled. And today is a great day. The best time to start changing is right now. Some of us are like a guy who uh, went to the police station and he knew his truck better than he knew his wife. He went to the police station. There was a sergeant behind the desk and he said, my wife is missing. She went shopping yesterday. He hadn't come home. Sergeant said, what's her height? She, I'm not sure. A little bit over five foot. What's her weight? I don't know. Not slim, not fat. Color of her eyes. I've never really noticed. Color of her hair. Well, she changes a couple of times a year. I think it's dark brown right now. What was she wearing? Well, I, I'm not sure. Either capris or a skirt, but I don't remember exactly. Maybe exercise clothes and what kind of car did she go in? Well, she actually went in my truck. What kind of truck was it? Brand new 2017 Ford F-150 King Ranch 4x4. I think I'll boost. Special alloy wheels, off-road Michelins. Small scratch on the driver's door. My wife did in the parking lot. At this point, the husband started choking up. The sergeant said, don't worry, buddy. We'll find your truck. You resemble that? Don't raise your hands, guys, if you resemble that, okay? I miss my truck more than I miss my wife. That's a problem. But we look at that, and Paul says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And when he says that, it's a command given to us. I pray that you're a man who loves your wife that way. You're building into the next generation, and you will create a legacy by God's grace. Secondly, as men, we encourage with our presence. We encourage with our presence. Not pure S-E-N-T-S, not gifts we give, certainly that's important, but with our presence, with us being there. The Apostle Paul said, but brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned, be, 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 let me start over. Brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you, for we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan thwarted my way, for what is our hope? What is our joy? What is my crown in which we glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory. You are our joy. Paul says, I want to be with you. I want to be in your presence. I did everything I could to be with you. With you. And so he's saying, I just want to be present. How do you think they felt, the Thessalonians, when they read these words from Paul? Do you think they felt loved and cared for because a great apostle wanted to be in their presence? And then in Corinthians, we read these words, after I go through Macedonia, I'll come to you for, I'll be gone through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you for a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go, wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. And so I can show you four of the times in Paul's epistles when he talks about, I just want to be with you. I just want to be with you. Last night, we're keeping one of our grandsons. We did Pine Cove Family Camp all last week, and uh, we brought one of our grandkids home with us. I'm not sure what possessed us to do that after a week at family camp, but we did, and we're having a great time. And we're also worn out. But... Uh, we decided to watch The Greatest Showman with Case. If you haven't seen that movie, it's a great movie. I mean, I, it's in my top 10 all time, and I'm not a musical kind of guy, but it's a great movie. But there's a scene in there where P.T. Barnum decides he wants to be greater than the circus, and he brings a singer over from Europe named Jenny Lynn. And before that, he's all about his family. And then he hits the circuit, and he's touring with her. And before that, his daughter was doing ballet and she could see her dad out in the audience and now she does ballet and she looks and there's no dad. And you see her heart sink and you see the smile dissipate from her face. And then you see a scene at the table and there's a mom and two daughters but no dad. 
And then P.T. Barnum comes to his senses and realizes I'm chasing all these things, but I'm losing the most significant thing. It's my family. So he goes back home. And there's another ballet. And she looks in the audience. And there's her daddy. And her world is right. Her world is right. My dad was great about showing up. He, he not only showed up, he coached my teams. I peaked athletically in about the seventh grade. <laughs> you know, when, when they told us to run, when I ran, they pulled out a calendar, not a clock. I mean, that was that slow. It was like, here he comes. He's lumbering his way down here. And, and so I was on the kickoff and punt teams. That means I wasn't good enough to play in the games, but there was mom and dad sitting in the stands watching. You don't think that built some security in me as a young man? Just showing up. Just being present. Just being there. I, I love what this young boy says. He says, without my father, it, feel like, it, it would be like a ball without any air on the inside. That's a great statement, isn't it? Whenever I'm feeling sad, he comes and cheers me up by telling me a silly joke or buying me a pack of baseball cards. My dad's a hardworking man, but he still has time for me. Dad, that's a great example to us. If you died today, Baylor, Scott & White, Wilson Art, McLean's, TISD, BISD, Fort Hood, none of those places are closed down for a single minute. And it's important to work hard and do our jobs well and provide for our families. But we've got to make sure our family gets more than our leftovers. Because this kid's right. My dad still has time for me. Here's a little girl. It's kind of like the uh, P.T. Barnum deal. During my piano recital, I was on stage and scared. I looked at all the people watching me. I saw my daddy waving and smiling. And he was the only one doing that. And I wasn't scared anymore. Isn't that a great statement? Eight years old. Hey, daddy's there. Everything's right. So if you are a... Uh, I mean, daddy just be in there. When we took our first trip to Southampton, England to get treated, first uh, round of chemotherapy, uh, one of my closest friends at Dallas Seminary is a guy named Dan Bowen. And so Dan texted me and said, uh, by the way, I've used that doppelganger story. Dan was the doppelganger guy at the Grand Canyon. I went to tap and it wasn't him. And so uh, Dan texts me and he says, hey, uh, we've got meetings in London and we're arriving the day before your treatment. So... If you want to, we'll take a train and come have dinner with you and Bev and your friends that are accompanying you and hang out for the evening. Is it okay, he said? Really? Wow. Who would do that? That's just a friend. And they did. They flew into London. As soon as they got there, they took a train, spent the evening having dinner with us, stayed in a hotel one time meeting. Just his presence ministered to us, he and his wife Kay, in a great way. Dads, for us and our kids, same thing. So if you're a kid here today, you may be an adult kid, you may be younger, you've got a dad who just showed up all the time. I mean, this is a great time for you to go. You can stand up and go give that man a hug right now. Now, you're not Italian, so you may not want to hug. You can fist bump him right now. I'm going to go hug my dad. I'm going to go hug my dad right now because he always showed up. Man, thank you. So you hug that dad and you thank God for that dad. You thank God for that example that your dad was to you because not everybody has that. And what a blessing to receive that. And, you know, just giving him our attention sometimes. Our daughter, Sarah, she's our strong-willed one. So if we were out somewhere or maybe I was watching television or something 
and she's talking to me, getting my attention. She would walk up to me, and she'd just do that. She'd grab my face just like that and said, listen to me, Daddy. <laughs> Here's what I'm seeing in the next generation with us. The telephone in your pocket, it's replaced your calendar, it's replaced your camera, it's replaced your alarm clock. Don't let it replace your family. Young dads, older dads, and sometimes we just don't take the time. We're so consumed. We've got to see who's winning the U.S. Open right now. We've got to see what the latest news is right now. Can the Astros win an 11th game in a row today? I mean, I'm all over that stuff. But are we allowing to replace that which is essential in our lives? So be a dad. Be a dad who loves his wife, who encourages with his presence, who grounds his family in truth. Every single year, I look at the same passage in Judges chapter 2 on Father's Day. And I look at that passage because it's one of the saddest verses in the scripture. So if you've been here for a while, you know this passage very well. Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110, and they buried him in the land of his inheritance. After that, whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors. So Joshua's generation is gathered to their ancestors. The next generation grew up. They did not know the Lord, nor what he had done for Israel. What? Are you kidding me? What did Joshua's generation experience? Well, if you remember, Joshua's generation is the one that followed him into the promised land. To get in the promised land, God parted the Jordan River just as he had parted the Red Sea for Moses getting out of Egypt. He parted the Jordan River so that Joshua and all the folks with him could walk across dry ground. You remember that? They didn't even tell their kids about that. And they got on the other side. You remember the first thing they did? Now, understand why they didn't tell their kids about the first thing. They circumcised all the guys in the army. Okay? Not a good way to go to battle. But that's the first thing they did. It was showing their allegiance to the true God. And then the next thing they did, they attacked the first city. Remember how they attacked the first city? I mean, they sent in tankers and they sent in airplanes. and They sent in bombers. What'd they do? They walked around the walls and the walls came tumbling down. And what city? Jericho. Every kid knows that story. And yet a generation rose up who didn't know that stuff. The dads didn't tell their kids the most significant things that happened in their lives. We did this survey a few months ago. Many of you participated in it. We've done it three years in a row. One of the things we've learned from that survey is that about 30% of you knew in the last three years. And we thank God for that. Our body's a growing body. So if you're new and a guy in the last three years, you probably haven't heard this, but I've got to deal with every man that attends TBC. It has to do with teaching the next generation. You die. I show up to interview your wife and your kids and they don't know your spiritual story. What am I going to do to you guys? I'll thump you on your dead head before God and the whole world. So here's what I'm asking you to do. This afternoon or tonight, would you share your story with your kids and grandkids? Hey, you kids, you may have heard this before, but daddy wants to remind you, grandpa wants to remind you. When I was five years old, I was a little short, chubby ball guy. <laughs> I had a dear godly mama, and I got on my knees next to my bed, five years old, trusted Christ as my savior with my mama. That next Sunday, First Baptist Church, remember, I walked that aisle, professed my faith in Christ, got kissed by more old ladies than everyone to be kissed on as a five-year-old boy. And then the next Sunday, they dumped me. 
And to this day, I claim that as a time when I met my Savior. Ground the next generation in truth. Let them hear your story. And make sure you're living that story. It just doesn't need to be a story about what happened to dad 20 years ago, 30 years ago, but it needs to be ongoing. We teach them about sports and hunting, money and makeup, history and science, but we neglect teaching them perhaps the most significant thing. And they are watching everything you do. We're at camp this week. So we have Daniel, our son, his wife, and their two boys. Ivor's our youngest grandson. We've got five grandsons, one granddaughter. Ivor's our youngest grandkid. He's three years old. So I'm sitting down, and uh, he, he's getting a little rambunctious. And so uh, Daniel said, well, why don't you give him your phone? So I gave him my phone. Three years old. He does this first. Three years old. Number, Papado. What do you mean Number. Number. He needs my passcode. <laughs> I'm thinking, this is crazy. Uh, seven, three, well, I'm not give it to you, I'll be on my phone. <laughs> and and then, then he starts, I've got all these apps on this phone, so he starts doing this. And then I watch him, he finds YouTube for kids, kids YouTube. He knows what it looks like. He hits it. And then he starts looking at stuff. He's three years old. He's just a normal kid. How does he know how to do all that? I guarantee you, Danny Michelle didn't sit down and say, hey, let me show you how to use an iPhone. How did he learn how to do all that? Watching. Watching. Dad, they're watching every step you take. Everything you do. Grandpa, watching everything you do. And you've got a great opportunity to pulse into the next generation by living the spiritual life. In Psalm 78, it says he decreed statues for Jacob. He established laws in Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach their children so the next generation would know him, even children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children. If you look at that, there are four generations right there. And so as we tell them what God has done in our lives, they'll put their trust in the Lord and not forget his deeds but would keep his commandments. And so as we pulse into the next generation, we love our wives, we encourage with our presence, we ground our family in truth, we affirm them with our words. We affirm them with our words. The apostle Paul was so good at this with his spiritual sons. And we need to learn from him. We learn how to affirm our sons and daughters, how to speak truth into their lives. Imagine when Timothy read this. But you know that Timothy, he's writing to the Philippians, but Timothy read it. You know that Timothy's proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Paul, the seasoned apostle, the father, a spiritual father of Timothy writes and says, hey, let me tell you about my boy, Timothy. He's a faithful man who's serving alongside me. And then he writes about Epaphroditus. He says, I think it's necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, my coworker, my fellow soldier, who's also your messenger who you sent to take care of my needs. Imagine how Epaphroditus felt when his spiritual father, when he read these words as a son, his spiritual father had written about him, my brother, my coworker, my fellow soldier, your kids will run through walls for you if you encourage them. They will. It's so easy today to send a text to your kids. It's so easy for me to send my son and son-in-law a text this morning and just say, you're two of the greatest dads I know. It's so easy to flip an email out. You've got a phone on you all the time and through Bluetooth you can talk on your phone or I can talk in my car all the time. I can just call and leave a message and say, hey, I want you to know I'm so proud of you. And they, 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 the birds sing louder, the sun shines brighter, and there's a spring in their step because they love hearing that. 
from a dad, from a father-in-law, from somebody that loves them. So let me encourage you to affirm them in truth. Words of blessing. Let them hear words like, I love you, I'm proud of you, you're amazing. Granddads, hey, we've got that privilege. The, the high privilege of pulsing into the next generation in speaking truth to them. That's not always easy, right? You get young kids. I mean, you're just worn out sometimes. Remember the story of a five-year-old Johnny whose new baby brother just kept screaming and screaming and screaming and finally he turned to his dad and said, where'd we get him? And the dad said, he came down from heaven. Johnny said, wow, I can see why they threw him down here. <laughs> and then they get to be teenagers, right? And, and so much is said about teenagers, it's false. Teenagers are going to be the greatest in the world. Now, not all of them, I recognize that. Okay, but they can be. Teenager just received her learner's permit. She often drive the family to church after a hair-raising ride. They finally reached their destination. When the dad got out of the car, he shouted emphatically, thank you. Anytime, his daughter said with a smile. He looked back and said, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to God. <laughs> but uh, affirm them. Just speak words of truth and blessing over them. You go in their bedroom at night, lay your hand on them, pray for them. When our kids were at home, we did that often. Just put our hands on them, pray for them. God, thank you for Sarah. Thank you for Daniel. God, would you send them godly mates one day? God, would you let them walk with you every day? Would you bless them? And for some of us dads, maybe you didn't grow up with a dad like that. My dad was an encourager. If you didn't grow up with a dad like that, you can change that. Generational change can take place now. Well, we go on and we see that we need to live courageously for our family. We can courageously lead our family. General Joshua said, if serving the Lord's undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves. And at the end of that verse is that famous line saying, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It's one thing to say that. It's another thing to do. We can all say that. We can put plaques up on the walls, but we can have it scrolling on our computer. But we've got to lead the way and show the way for that really to take place. And so I pray that you're a dad who courageously leads his family. And finally, yearn to grow spiritually, men. Yearn to grow spiritually. Have a, pray that God will make you like this psalm. As a deer pants for water, so my soul thirsts for you, O oh God. Ask God for that. God, would you make me a man who longs after you? You've been deer hunting. You've seen a deer that's run, man, and those old ribs are heaving in and out, in and out. He's saying, that's how I want to be in my pursuit of God. I, I, want, to, I want to be so I can't get enough of you. I, I, I want to pursue you every single day because if you're a dad who yearns for God, your family will see it. Dads, ask God for generational faithfulness in your family. My favorite verse on parenting is 3 John 4. You can write it down. If you've been here for a while, you know what it says. I have no greater joy than this, to see my children walking in truth. There's your verse on parenting. Building a generational legacy is more about God's grace than anything. But there are things we can do along the way, such as loving our wives, encouraging with our presence, grounding in truth, affirming through words, courageously leading, and yearning to grow spiritually. So here's how I want to conclude this morning. I want to pray for dads. So if you're a dad, I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask you to do something a little different. Uh, right where you are, uh, I'm just, if you can do it, I want you to get on your knees right where you are. 
Just all of that, stand up. If you can't get on your knees physically, I understand that. But if you get on your knees right where you are, some of you may need to hit the aisle right next to you. And then I don't want any of that untouched. I, I want you to reach over. And, and I want you to touch a dad right now. And we're going to pray for these men. We're going to pray for them. Father, thank you for these men. Thank you for men who resemble the very things we talked about today. Men who honor Christ with their lives. Men who love their families well. Men who honor you. Father, I pray that generations to come will be blessed because of these men. God, I pray that there'll be many, many men here who, if they need to make corrections, they'll make corrections this day. That Christ will reign supreme in their lives. That you will cause them to hunger after you spiritually. And they'll be an example. And Father, I pray for kids and grandkids and generations to come that will honor Jesus every single day. Father, would you bless them? And Father, there may be some men here who don't know Jesus today, and I pray today is a day of eternal change for them. I pray that they'll consider the Savior who gave his life for them, and they would consider him as their Savior this day and experience the forgiveness of sin, and that they would rejoice in that, and their families would rejoice in what you've done there. So Father, on this day, we give you great glory. We give you great honor. We celebrate these men. Would you use them today and for generations to come? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Bless you. Happy Father's Day.